HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. For more information, visit RothCheese.com. I'm HRN's Executive Director, Katie Mosman-Wadler, with a preview of the latest episode of Meat and 3, our weekly food news roundup. We're counting down the days to the 4th of July, so this week's theme is independence. After all, we're an independent food radio station. HRN is a labor of love. Staff, hosts, and listeners all share the belief that storytelling can change the world, one bite or sound bite at a time. We take a moment to ponder our founding mothers and fathers, specifically what they were drinking during the Revolutionary War. Rum in various combinations with beer and cider would be the order of the day. We highlight a story of self-sufficiency on the island of Vieques, Puerto Rico. The biggest thing we did was to start a lot of fermented vegetables because we knew the first thing to go would be refrigerator trucks coming to the island. And we examine the challenges facing independent grocery stores across the U.S. The struggle is real, but the future looks bright. Tune in to this week's episode of Meat in 3, available at heritageradionetwork.org and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Elena Santagade, and today, listeners, we are talking about the famed, the venerable, the raucous, the infamous, the cheesemonger, infantational. <laughs> yes. I love it when we can get a good sound effect in. Um, okay, I have in studio with me today the 2018 winner of the Cheesemonger Invitational that happened here in New York City just one week ago, just shy of one week ago. That's crazy. Eric Schock, welcome to the studio. Hi, Elena. <laughs> We're getting crazy. Um, I am so excited. Okay, listeners, this is going to be a really fun show. We are going to talk about... All of the components of the Cheesemonger Inventational. I, you know, I actually have been a judge a few times, and I know most of the competition uh, rounds. And we're going to talk about the written test, the blind taste test, the aroma test, salesmanship, 
cheese plate test, drink pairing, perfect bite. Then there's, of course, the wrapping, the cutting. There's so many components to this amazing event. And the king of the event here this year, Eric Schock, is with me. And we're going to talk all about his experience. Eric, I'm dying to hear what you thought of it all. But first, I want to hear a little bit more about who you are. (laughs) Uh, Tell me... Okay. You are the lead artisan at Italy... Uh, Salumi and Fromaggi, downtown, New York City, Manhattan. That's your current role. Correct. Okay, got it. Now, let's dial it back and tell me, like, one or two key moments that got you to where you are at Italy right now. Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I started cheesemongering long time ago if we want to go back that far yeah all the way to 2007 aha uh-huh. i had gone to school years. yeah i had gone to school for well art history performance portraiture you know fine arts perfect groundwork stuff. for yeah. cheesemongering and i was in chicago i'm originally from detroit and I really wanted to go to grad school, but I could not really decide between studio practice and art history. Hmm. And like anyone who wants to put off big decisions, (laughs) I needed a day job. (laughs) And I was in a grocery store and I've always had a love affair with food. Mm -hmm. And I'm a avid just person who loves to study things he does not know. So curious human. Yeah. Curious human in general. The best trait. Yeah. And I'm walking along and there's a cheese counter there and just start speaking with the cheesemonger there. And I was falling in love with this entire thing that I realized I knew nothing about. So did you literally just stumble over into that kind of a conversation at the grocery store? Like you hadn't sought out cheese it wasn't something you were trying to learn more about actively at that point not at all Mm. i i was sitting there and thought to myself wow this is something that a will give me health insurance but b (laughs) will be an incredible fun thing to look at Mm -hmm. and think about and study Mm. and the cheesemonger the manager who hired me there it was at Fox and Nobel. It was Lydia Burns, oh, and I know Lydia. Yes, the venerable <laughs> Lydia. Uh, she's incredible, incredible person. But she really ignited a passion hmm. in me she to study. It up. Well, and I think the way that she did it, beyond anything else, I remember my first day. Yeah, she brought me up to the counter and said, "Okay, this is the counter." This is the hot wrap station. Mm-hmm. These are the knives. <laughs> I'm going to be in the office. <laughs> Why don't you take this piece of cheese and wrap it like a thousand times? Nice. I'll be back. She then came back eight hours later. <laughs> Hands off management is what I'd call that. It was beautiful. That's awesome. And I think I was on wrap 755 or oh something my gosh. like that. And. She then just started shooting the shit with me. I was way, I felt way in over my depth, just <laughs> trying to get this damn piece of cheese wrapped in paper. <laughs> and I, at that point, just kind of never looked back. The, mm. I 
was asking her questions about this cheese, about that cheese. Why is this giant wheel of scimitine Italian? It right. looks like brie. Yeah. I had no idea what the difference was at the time. Huh. Um, things like that just started to really blow my mind. Um, totally. And she just then out of a little cupboard pulled out a stack of books and just slapped them on me and I brought them home <laughs> and I started reading my first cheese book I believe was uh, The Cheese Plate with ah, good book. Yeah, David Gibbons and Max McCullen and I just was obsessed. Next thing I knew I kind of forgot all about grad school. <laughs> that, that went on well, a deep back burner. Yeah, no, I, you know, art history is a lot of fun. Yeah. And I've always sat there and thought to myself, especially as I was speaking with my own friends who were continuing on from school into graduate programs, mm -hmm. and they they were having a really great time too, but they were writing about things that we'd already learned about, and they mm. were writing about things, and one of the hardest things that it seemed that they were trying to find was a new area a of new study. Thing. Oh, that's so and interesting. the thing is, I love talking theory and otherwise, but then when you have this incredible subject matter right that there's so much more being done but also so much more that needs to be looked at mm. and that one needs to education themselves and there's not a ton of books you need to go to the right. dairies you need to speak to the people you need to taste right there's multiple it's, it's not all on the internet or exactly. anything exactly and yeah at that point beyond any there was little on the internet right. about it right it, and i think that was the romance of having to pick up a book hmm. in order to find the answers totally. was pretty nice. Did you find that? So I, I totally relate. I felt like when I first discovered the world of cheese, the thing that ignited in me was that it was such a sensory experience of learning too. And I had never, I remember in college I had studied film a little bit and I remember thinking like, this is way too much fun. How could this possibly be allowed? But that's also how I felt about cheese. And did you, coming from art history, where you're actually studying a lot of similar sort of, you know, cultural, geography, you know, societal history, you're studying all these things that we, we actually study in studying cheese, but you're also using your senses. Was that element, you know, did that surprise you? Were you was that like a, a pointed thing for you as well? You know... I, I've frequently told a story, especially to new cheesemongers at my own counter. Mm -hmm. One of the things that really hooked me on cheese, and it was that first day before I even had applied to be a cheesemonger, but when I just first approached this counter, I was given a piece of Montgomery's cheddar. And mm -hmm. I'll be completely honest, I had never had Montgomery's cheddar to that point. Yeah. Although, uh, about five years previous to that, I had spent a summer in England oh. and we'd gone through Somerset. Uh, this was not a cheese not trip at, at that all. point. This was pre-cheese. Pre-cheese, very pre-cheese. Wow. Uh, and I mean, I was still in high school, but I was in basically Montgomery Cheddar's backyard. Oh my gosh. And we were driving through fields and dales and... That gorgeous it, Somerset countryside. Well, and you just get this smell and this mm -hmm. sense, and there's a quality to the air yeah, totally. that the dirt just kind of imbues. And then 
all of a sudden I'm years later in this cheese shop in downtown Chicago <laughs> and you put that on your palate and it just transports you. Yeah, there. totally. And I've never had food do that before. Mm. And that was probably the moment that I just said, like, I got to get into this. This is it. Yeah. yeah. If, if, if I can taste something and it can teleport me to through time and space right to another place via those senses mm -hmm. I, like magic right it is and i can't think of another food stuff another art form even mm -hmm. that will transport you like that and i really for the longest time have thought of cheese as an art form in mm. that regard yeah a or an art object i guess i'd yeah. say mm. uh, i don't know it's hard to think of cheesemakers as outright artists because there's so much science behind it. Right. It's such a it's a unique hybrid of right. of meticulous scientific approach plus that artisanal, mm -hmm. you know, by touch and feel and instinct. Correct. Right? Yeah. Tricky. So interesting. Mm -hmm. So are you at so you became totally into cheese. You're discovering it, you're studying it, you're a self-proclaimed obsessed. Yeah. And are you still doing art? Were you for a while? Do you still do things with other forms of art, non-cheese art? Have you gotten into cheese-related art of any kind? Oh, gosh. Um, I wish. <laughs> I, I can't say that, that I've gotten into cheese-related art. No I, cheese sculptures at the Italy You counter. know, I, I do. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'd call cheese carving... Yeah. An outright art, well, but some would say, yeah, I'm. It's funny at Italy, someone picked up a, something I started doing very early in my career was carving cheese for uh -huh. displays and otherwise. Yeah. And something they found out at Italy, especially Italy downtown, very early on, was that I had this talent for this. And <laughs> now every so often we'll get an email: Hey, we're having this promotion sorry we should have told you three weeks ago <laughs> classic we need a display up front can you carve this specific thing into a half wheel of grana padano the oh consortium's going to be here in four hours can you do that oh my and, gosh. and it's like it's a saturday you're like, <laughs> you're like wow and i'm understaffed right, right but you know what right. I'll just do it on the side as I cut pieces for customers. Yeah, no, I do it right there at the counter. Oh my gosh, um, I got to I want to see this. <laughs> no, the I think I have pictures on my Instagram. Okay, what's your Instagram I handle, Eric? I, I believe it's um, E R I C. Well, it's at Eric Complex, so it's E R I C O M P L E X. Okay, all right, listeners, um, check it out. Some cheese I, carvings by CMI winner. I'm not gonna lie, I hardly use. <laughs> Instagram. Well, then so they I won't think be hard to find. I think there's two pictures. I think there's one of one of my cheese platters <laughs> and one of the cheese carvings. So, well, you're about to get a lot of uh, oh, new boy. followers. You better up the Instagram game oh, here. Oh gosh, that's okay. Oh man, this is so much fun. So, okay, dialing forward now, fast forwarding to present day, with a look back still. At what point did you set your sights on competing in and winning? the cheesemonger invitation and did you ever think you would win you know the first time that i competed mm -hmm. i didn't think i was gonna win and i went in thinking about the competition as a secondary this was mm -hmm. yeah back what, in what year 2015 
13, 2014. So have you you done it every year since then? No. Okay. No. How many times have you competed? I, this last time was my fourth time competing in total. But the very first time I competed, it was right after uh, Matt, Riley had mm-hmm. won, as well as also Emily Acosta. Two formerly Eadley yeah. folks. And I remember the very first time Family I met tradition Adam. here. This was fantastic. I, I go to CMI in New York. I'd yeah. been living in Chicago, flew out here, and I go walking up to Larkin Cold Storage, mm-hmm. and Adam just jumps out of his SUV immediately sees me and walks up. He knows who I am somehow already and says, Eric, Eric, Hey, handshake, you can't win. And then he just (laughs) looks at a few other people standing right there. And he goes, says, if this guy wins, he's from Italy. We're not doing this anymore. It's canceled. It's canceled. If this guy wins, no more cheesemonger invitational. And and I wasn't the other one. Uh, Of course, there was another Italy person and, he also could not win, oh, but man. I, I had already Amazing. kind of realized this was going to be an uphill battle. And I was like, you know what? I want the challenge. I want the challenge, but I also, I, I wanted to get to know everyone yeah. a lot more. Yeah. So that first year I was focusing so much more on just, let's have fun with this. Mm-hmm. Let's meet. And I met some of the most incredible people, right. people I'm still and will probably always be friends with now. That is so awesome. And then That's af- so cool. Yeah. Then after that, I moved out to New York not long after and right. then went back to compete again. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well... I can't believe it, but we're ready for a short break. Oh, boy. Um, Listeners, we are going to be back with all kinds of details from Eric's experience this year at the Cheesemonger Invitational. Uh, Get ready, and, you know, maybe this will help you as you study for next year or for later, well, early 2019 in San Francisco, perhaps. Okay, we'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Roth Cheese, a pioneer in the U.S. specialty cheese movement. Roth is in its 25th year of making specialty cheese in the rolling hills of southern Wisconsin. With strong Swiss heritage, Roth is best known for its award-winning alpine-style cheeses under the name Grand Cru. Fresh Wisconsin milk combined with expertise and affinage is how Roth creates high-quality, great-tasting cheese year after year. In 2016, hard work paid off when out of over 2,000 contenders, Roth Grand Cru Surchois was named world champion at the World Cheese Championship. For more information, visit rothcheese.com. I'm Souther Teague of Amoria Margo and a co-host of The Speakeasy right here on Heritage Radio Network. You know, my favorite thing to do every week is to come here and be on the show. I have lots of jobs. I'm a very busy person. Um, and I do this because I love it. I get to sit down and talk to all my heroes for about an hour every week. It's incredible. And I hope that you enjoy it, making a great effort to share with you. And we'd like you to share back with us. 
It's our summer fundraiser, and we'd love for you to donate uh, at heritageradionetwork.org forward slash donate. You can click on the beating heart, and you can even choose shows that you'd like to donate to specifically. And you can also choose a recurring monthly uh, gift. Uh, And for all that, we'd be greatly appreciative. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, we are back. This is Elena Santigade with Cutting the Curd, and I'm here with Eric Schock, the recent winner of the 2018 New York City Cheesemonger Invitational. Um, Okay, let's jump right into it. Eric, what did you do for your perfect bite? This year, I well, this summer, I had the Kirkham's Lancashire as my perfect bite. And you were assigned that cheese. Correct. So listeners, this is one of the competition rounds of the overall competition. Every uh, competitor has to design a perfect bite with their assigned cheese. And what are the parameters? Is, is that it? Or is there are there any other restrictions? You know, there's not really restrictions as much as generally this is what the judges are looking for. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to make, I believe, approximately 150 to 200 of these bites. So you have to design the bite and also do the production of building the bite for not only the judges, but then I think the general public gets to taste them as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, and the other thing on top of that, you need to do it all without access to electricity. (laughs) Or a gas stove or anything. And so can you bring your own there. tools? Do you bring your own? Oh, definitely. Okay, got it. Yeah. Okay. It, so most you, people bring tons they, of stuff. Yeah. Some people get real crazy with it. But. Any like wheelie bags? Like people brought in. I brought extra. a wheelie bag. Oh, well done. Not a speed rack though. That's what I'm waiting for. Somebody oh, who gosh. shows up with their own speed rack. <laughs> no, I'm sure one of these years somebody's, somebody's going to come. Gonna do it. Yeah, somebody's going to come with a, like a full food truck, a wood burning yeah, uh, right. stove somehow. <laughs> I don't know what they would do with that, but we'll see. Okay, so tell us about. So you had Kirkham's Lancashire. Yes. So I had been tasting the Kirkham's and wanted to isolate in my mind one of the flavors mm-hmm. in it that. I felt was a little bit out of the ordinary and I picked up on a very strong shiitake mushroom flavor. Ooh. Yeah. So I, a sushi restaurant back in Detroit long time ago, uh, they had one of my favorite things, these, sh- well, soy candied shiitake mushrooms mm-hmm. and you just take dried shiitake mushrooms, boil them with soy and sugar, cook them down to the point that they're kind of candy glazed, delicious. Yeah. And, and just let them cool. Oh, yeah. Like, oh. Yeah. And you can actually keep them in your fridge for quite a long time. Uh, but that, the flavor is just naturally kind of present mm. in the Kirkham's. Makes sense itself. to me. Yeah. And then it was just building around that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wanted to have the flavor start with the cheese and end with the cheese. Okay. That's always really important. Yeah, I agree. So I started with a base that was... Originally, the idea was a goguer, but uh, which is like a cheese-infused pas de show. Yeah, uh, like a, a puff of cheese-heaven right. dough that just evaporates in your mouth. Well, and you know what? I realized very early on that making that with Kirkham, <laughs> with the Lancashire, is nearly impossible <laughs> because of the moisture in oh, it. Oh, yeah. That's, oh, it, my gosh. That, that's, that would be an, an insane thing. And I continue to think about it every time I see a photo of myself at the event now because I look, <laughs> I look just like hell. I, I've been up. You look like you've been uh, competing. Yeah. I, I had been up all night. Literally, <laughs> I woke up. Uh, my fiance, Colleen, will tell you, I was up at 
3, 4 a.m. Oh, my gosh. Baking oh all night. Oh, my gosh. And you earned this win, well, Eric. Yeah. Uh, what, what resulted was somewhere between a really nice cheddar biscuit and mm-hmm. the go-gear. But okay. that was the base. And then I infused some Mexican crema with the Kirkham's Lancashire ah. um, by boiling the Lancashire in cream okay. while cooking it in cream gently, yeah. not boiling, never let it boil. And then mixing that with actual Mexican crema. And that allowed the entire flavor to kind of smooth across the palate. Right. On top of that, there rested a actual piece of the cheese, the mm-hmm. Lancashire. Then the piece of shiitake mushroom, candied mushroom. Then I went back to a Mexican kind of love, and that is from Chicago. Something I fell in love with were these pickled carrots with jalapeno. Mm. Uh, If anybody's been to Pilsen in Chicago. Pilsen, okay. Check out the pickled carrots. Check out some delicious Mexican pickles, which are usually jalapenos, and they have these little carrots in them. And it just gives just enough of the flavor of jalapeno, a little bit of heat. Uh And that kind of enhances the flavor without being overbearing. Right, and like is offset with that the sweetness of the mushroom. Okay. Exactly. And then on top of that, I just balanced a little tiny piece of cucumber skin oh my god and that was just for freshness and that was it but wow flavor wise i thought what i wanted was fluffy butter yeah (laughs) and that's what you got you got fluffy butter (laughs) with those other little tiny hint flavor notes and that's and this was all in a one bite piece so it's sort of like just just take it all down at once Right. Oh, so I, good. Actually, in, um, one of the former CMI winners, gentleman named Ajib, great mm-hmm. guy, uh, he is always the first judge to note it must be a bite, right. not two bites, a bite. Well, I will say, as a judge, I, so I was a judge this year. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I am... Uh, I, I will, I feel like full disclosure, I judged Eric's salesmanship you, round. You did. It was actually kind of awkward, I'll was be honest. It was really fun. <laughs> you know what? That round is always awkward. It is. I actually love judging it for that reason. But um, I think that actually it was it was less awkward. You're, you're, I mean, you are the winner, so it's not a surprise here. But that was really fun. And, and listeners, if you, um, actually the salesmanship is not, open to the public. So here's a preview. What what the competitors have to do is stand behind a table where there's a selection of different cheeses, sort of set up as a mock cheese counter, so to speak, very limited uh, curated, limited and highly curated selection. And then the judge walks up as if uh, they are a customer and they kind of purposefully throw a few curveballs in, try to have a few cheeses in mind that they want to take away and kind of let the let the competitor lead them either toward what they're hoping for or astray, depending on how it goes. Well, and I, I really love that challenge probably more than just about <laughs> any of the rest of them. And I'm going to be honest, when you walked up, I, because, I mean, I don't know you well or anything, but... But we know each other. We, we, do, each business. Other. we I, do business. We do business. And I immediately just thought, oh my gosh, do I acknowledge like 
your food knowledge, your cheese knowledge? Do I, do I, I pretend? Do I that... pretend? Are we are we both role playing now? Should I say I'm someone else? I and I just got all in my head about it, and oh, it was okay. Though. It didn't show. You know, the other funny thing about salesmanship is that it is the thing that for most, for, I mean, this is the cheesemonger invitational. This is the one thing that every cheesemonger does probably every day that they go to work is sell some human being some cheese from the counter. And yet I've noticed as a judge uh, on a few years that this is the round where people are most nervous. And it's so funny to me because it's probably the thing that you that you're like most seasoned with as a cheesemonger. But anyway, so that's it's fun to hear that that's one of your favorite rounds. Is there one, was there a round that you were particularly dreading or nervous about? This time I was really, well, I'd say looking forward to. I don't know if I really dread anything more than the other. I dread all of them and I <laughs> look forward to all of them. But I, I feel like I've never really nailed the beverage and the mm. plate. Right. So listeners, there's those are two other separate rounds. It, there's a drink pairing that you have to do with with the cheese. And is it the same cheese you're assigned for the perfect bite? No, it's a it's different, a different one. Okay. But it's the same for the plate and Right. So then the you also beverage. have to design a cheese plate, which right. is different from the cheese the perfect bite. Because right. the plate is more of that like larger selection of how would you how would you serve this among other items. Well, and it's meant I believe the actual Thing they say is it's meant to be a plate for two people mm. picture you're at a restaurant you're preparing a plate that just features one cheese mm-hmm. what do you put it with serving for two right and you're given a slate i think it's four inches by i don't know 14 inches something yeah. like that and you gotta go fill wild. it go yeah. go for it exactly. okay so what did you do for your cheese plate um so i went kind of left field with this uh, with both my beverage and my plate, I went Asian inspired. The plate was Chinese inspired, but it was very specific. Yeah, I had cedar boxes, and the cheese was another cheddar from England, mm-hmm. uh, from the Jurassic Coast, uh, the coastal cheddar from mm-hmm. Ford's Farm, mm-hmm. and it's a very intense flavored cheddar, uh, block cheddar. Really good stuff, though, and. The main thing, you just need to overcome that intensity. So right. I needed to work with intense flavors. So I had the cheese sliced nicely in a cedar box, and then mm-hmm. next to it, a cedar box filled with ponzu sauce. Mm-hmm. And then next to that, a cedar box filled with crushed Chinese candy. It's a tangerine peel mm-hmm. candy specifically. And the idea was just take the cheese, dip it in the ponzu sauce, dredge it, through the crushed candy. The crushed candy. And, the and it was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to say, officially, I judged your cheese oh, you plate as I well, which that. maybe you didn't even know. <laughs> no, I didn't. And it was so much fun. <laughs> this, and also it felt like, uh, de- like, like taking that sort of Japanese approach or Eastern, you know, like, I, I mean, I do acupuncture a lot. I love going to sushi omakase. I love, I, there's a lot of like elements of that, that culture that I feel are so thoughtful and deliberate and tasting that cheese plate 
to me was in line with all of that, with, with everything I've been exposed to from, you know, Asian cultures of, of the, that sort of deliberate and intentional and also playful way and bringing it to cheese was so much fun. I have to say. And I'll be honest, the way that I came up with it, my fiance and I, we love going to Chinatown Mm -hmm. and gorging ourselves on delicious candies we've never had before. I love the idea of going there for candy. I go there for dim sum and gorge myself. Oh yeah. That's great too. Don't get me wrong. But the candies, I got to check this out because that tangerine peel candy was awesome. It's really good. And I was just basically one night we were gorging ourselves on these candies. (laughs) We'd just gotten back from Chinatown and I'd also just bought some of this cheddar Mm. and I immediately had tasted it and was like, oh my God. I ran back and I grabbed that specific candy and it was just like, this, this is it. Well, it's so interesting too, because I mean, I have, uh, you know, I, I sell Grafton village cheese cheddar right now and I've worked for other cheddar producers and there is that sort of pithy element that can exist in cheddar and that, that citrusy pithy note. So it's, it was like a perfect compliment. The other aspect that I loved was the crunchiness of the candy. It mimicked Mm -hmm. the crunchiness of the casein. Yeah. The crystals, crystals. those coveted crystals. Yeah. And it just made it that much more crunchy and crystally. And then the ponzu just gave a little touch of salt Mm -hmm. enough as well as a little bit more citrus to just knock that. And enabled the whole thing to come together. Yeah. Right. Oh, it was so much fun. I I was pretty proud of that. That was, and it also was beautiful. It was fun to look at that. I loved the cedar boxes. Nice touch, Eric. Ah, thank you. Well, and I, I thought that they actually added a scent component to it too. They mm. actually had a smell, and I noticed if you left the cheese in there, it actually picked up a little bit of the oh, cedar. Oh, cool! Yeah. And added a bonus, if you will, a little bonus. Okay, now tell us what you did for your drink pairing. So my drink pairing was Korean inspired, and. Mm. I'd fallen in love with this Korean punch, which is just cinnamon and ginger, Uh which you boil and then you add sugar, usually brown sugar, honey, et cetera. Um, I think I use raw cane sugar in this case, but then you soak dried persimmons in it and it gives this, it gives the actual punch itself a thickness Mm -hmm. and a particular mouthfeel that is just really precious. And then it's traditionally served chilled on top of dried persimmon with a little bit of pine nut. And I really had wanted to do something non-alcoholic this year. Mm -hmm. I've just had such a hard time with the perfect beverage between judges' personal preferences about what they like. I know a couple of years ago, I made a French 75 with a gin that was literally made in the backyard of Vermont Creamery. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And it hadn't been released yet. This this gin maker drove the gin down pre-release. And cheesemaker knew the gin maker and every it was just like the wow. most beautiful thing ever. yeah terroir um, all yeah around. and it just made so much sense and then the judge gave I'm, I'm going to refrain from his name but he just said wow this tastes like champagne with gin in it come on man I know. come on <sighs> but stuff. beyond that what i really realized which was the good criticism behind this was you know by the time the judges got to it mm. the champagne went flat 
Right. Um, it, it maybe didn't make as much sense. Right. And this past January, I made a play on a Moscow mule mm-hmm. and all the ice had melted. Uh, and I was like, you know what? All right. I'm just away from alcohol. I'm away from like complex things like that. I'm going to yeah. do all of it. And that's why I presented this beverage. It was in a decanter, mm-hmm. in a big ice box, um, ah. also cedar box, nice. keeping that visual component. Right. And then let the judges decant themselves and it seemed to make a lot more sense. To now, me. I feel bummed because I did not get to judge your drink pairing, oh, but it sounds didn't. delicious. Very cool. Thank you. Um, okay, so I can't believe it, but we're almost out of time. Eric, this was so much fun. I have one more question for yes. you. Uh what advice for, for our listeners who have competed, who, who are, are hoping to compete again, who've never competed, who are only now hearing about the Cheesemonger Invitational, what would you say? What, what advice would you give to people at sort of all ends of the spectrum about how to make it to the big leagues here? Compete. Just do it. Just do it. Just don't, don't be nervous. Don't freak out. Mm-hmm. It's a giant party first, Hmm. and that's what it was conceived as. And just like I did, you should first go into it just saying, this is where I'm going to learn. I'm going to meet people. The entire first day, you do nothing but meet with makers, incredible cheesemakers from around the world. Yeah, it's a huge learning opportunity. It is so good. There's this enormous educational component. And how many days did that go? You know, this year it was two days. It was two days. That's awesome. Previously it was one day, except they're just adding more and more and more and more. And it's every year I have gone, every time I have gone, I have learned so much more. And the other thing that for people who have gone before and competed – you get this incredible packet at the very end mm. and it is everything that your judges right all the notes wrote, that we wrote yeah. to you and and the judges are incredible yourself included <laughs> and they write incredible criticism mm. that really can challenge you and that was something after that first time competing that's what got me hooked mm. because i sat there and i said you know i could have done that better right i could have done this i could have figured out a more intelligent way of organizing this. Right, and right. It, at that point, Helps you grow. if you're really using this as a tool to your full advantage, it's not about winning. Right. It's about kind of like playing golf. You're playing yourself. Hmm. And you just need to do that one thing better and come over that next hurdle, and that's it. And to bring it full circle, it's sort of like wrapping that cheese on your first day. Exactly. As a cheesemonger. Exactly. <laughs> 755, I think I got that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Well, Eric, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and congratulations oh, on your you big so win. Enjoy the feeling for as long as possible. I'm, Ride I'm the wave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listeners, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll be back next week with more Cutting the Curd. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to hear about exclusive events, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. 
Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Rate the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join our community by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening. Exactly like you. Now, why should we speak?